Hello, everybody. Welcome to day seven of the 7 a.m. Novelist 50-Day Writing Challenge, First Draft Edition. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. If you can tell, I'm a little froggy this morning, which I think is perfect for a day in which we talk about how things that hold us back. And Dario, I know, also has a bit of a cold. So here we are, like, moving forward. We're, we're ill or something, and we're still talking to you this morning. I'm really excited to have Dario on. Um... He's a Cuban-born author of the novel, The Playwright's House and the story collection, A Kind of Solitude, winner of the International Latino Book Award for Best Collection of Short Stories. He is an inaugural City of Boston Artist Fellow and the Education Director at Grub Street, and that's how I know him. Dario's writing has received the first Lady Cecile Dijon Literary Prize and has appeared in Best American Essays, The Three Penny Review, The Kenyon Review, Prairie Schooner, Michigan Quarterly Review, and the Caribbean writer, among others. He resides in Boston, in the Boston area with his wife and daughter. So Dara, I know you have a lot to say about this subject. Um, this is something you think about a lot in terms of, yesterday we talked about what holds us back in terms of being able to concentrate, being able to um, even sometimes take ourselves seriously or, or, or stay in our book basically. And so we talked a little tricks about that. Today, we're going to try to focus on somewhat larger concerns in terms of publishing, society, identity, that sort of thing um, that might be affecting you folks. And I'm going to turn on the chat soon. And when I do, I'd love to hear from participants about what you think holds you back. And you can also um, put some questions in the Q&A for us. Um, and, uh, and we will go from there. So Dara, I'm going to let you get going. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Thanks so much. Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, like Michelle said, I'm a little froggy too <laughs> from uh, a cold. I think uh, I might have caught from my kid, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this topic. I think it's something that I often think about the idea of like what gets in your way as a writer, as an artist, um, and even though some of these things can feel kind of big, and many of them we really obviously can control, um, I do think that something I've learned throughout the years is like as a writer, as an artist, you have to assume things are going to be in your way. Uh, you kind of just have to accept the fact that um, being a writer means it's a craft, it's something you have to dedicate yourself to. It, it requires uh, patience and involvement and, you know, all these other things you have to, you have to read, you have to consume things. It isn't just about sitting down and writing. Um, yeah. There's a lot of other things that you can't control once you send your work out, for instance, or once you start talking to other writers or agents or editors. So, for me, you know, I am an immigrant writer. So that means that, you know, I learned English at like 15 years old and I started writing, writing in life. So for me, the the first obstacle I ever faced was with language and the idea that like culturally and just logistically, this wasn't my first language. So I think right. when I decided to become a writer, I already knew, okay, this isn't going to be easy. Um, you're different, you know, uh, compared to a lot of the folks that you're, you're like sort of other writers, you know, and, and other people you're studying with. Um, and on top of that, I knew that I wanted to write about my native country of Cuba. So then that was another added obstacle in a way, because I'm like, on the one hand, I think some people might be curious to learn about Cuba. On the other hand, some people might not care. Or uh, I'm reading a lot of Cuban American literature, but not a lot of like Cuban Cuban literature in the US. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of starting with that particular personal example to sort of show that, you know, once you make a decision to become a writer and you decide, all right, I want to do this thing. Um, you inherently, or at least I did, I guess, for my, for myself thought, okay, there are going to be some stuff in the way and some questions that people are going to have and that I'm going to have. Um, and I think the way that some of that has played out is that 
um, in class, I often, you know, got feedback that wasn't very helpful because it was coming from a very different cultural space or not understanding certain my, my work with language. Um, and some of it was trying to push me maybe in directions that I didn't necessarily want to go. Um, and I sort of, again, at the time it was very hard because <laughs> I was trying to take it all in. But with time, I realized I need to really just sit with a lot of this and just discard the stuff that isn't for me and focus on the things that are really going to challenge me in the direction that I want to go as a writer. And um, I know that we don't always know that, but I think at a certain point as a writer, it is good to think about that. Because one of the first things that, that also can get in your way is not understanding what it is that you're trying to do as a writer. Like, where do you want to go? What audience do you want to engage? What kind of writing kinds of books you want to write? Like figuring that out, it's, it's one of the ways in which you push through all of these other things that are out of your control that can get in the way. So again, culturally for me, language, not understanding, um, you know, Michelle and I were chatting and, and, you know, I mentioned something that happened to me, which is, you know, when I started to query agents, uh, an agent said to me, well, the book is good, but like, I already have a Cuban writer, so I really can take you on. Right. So I, that was very discouraging because I'm like, well, that's nothing to do with my book. <laughs> it's so um, ridiculous. And I've heard that so much. I've heard that from um, my Indian American um, writers, from my uh, trans writers, from others. Right. Um, and and it's, it's a reality um, among some agents and editors, not all, um, right. but it is there. Um, so to, to, to be ready for that and, and not... I always think about, you know, lots of times in the old style of writing workshops, well, is like, okay, well, you just have to have a tough skin. You just have to toughen it out. You know, you just have to deal with it, which is total bull. No. Um, and what, if you can find, you can speak up, you can complain, you can talk back, but then also, you know, how do you find your power to rise above that and to say, okay, you, I'm going to put you aside <laughs> and do my thing. And to find again the thing that is most important to your work, as you were talking about. Um, and I always think that even even things like um, the most recent election, um, I mean, actually the 2016 election or 9/11 or other other awful things, the pandemic that happened to us, we question why we're doing what we're doing. And some people are like, "Oh no, I'm questioning why it all has meaning and what I'm doing." And I actually think that's a positive thing to do to constantly question and go back to why am I doing this? What am I writing about? Why is this important to me? Uh, because I think that moves everything, moves your own work forward. It moves your product forward. It moves everything forward. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because years later, when I think about that example, my reaction now is saying, thank you. Thank you for showing me that you were not the person for me. Right. And, um, and yes, it is not, not every agent or editor thinks or, or would say that. Um, but that's, the, that's why sometimes it is easy to get discouraged. It is easy. It does hurt. It does bother you. I mean, yeah. like, like you're saying, Michelle, this, it's this idea that like we have to develop thick skin. And I mean, that, that in a way, you know, the way that that manifests is just you continuing to write and continuing to send your work out and continuing to trust your process. That's the best way to show that you have, you know, quote unquote, this skin. But of course, it's going to get to you. I mean, we're human beings. Yeah. It's kind of silly to think that that it isn't going to bother you. And of course, I vent to my friends or I try to process it or whatever it might be. Or, you know, you might respond, like you said, or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, we just to me, writers need to understand that, you know, these obstacles are going to happen, like these kinds of responses, the kinds of rejections we get, like some of them are going to hurt, some of them are going to confuse us, 
um, you know, a lot of it is going to be frustrating because this is human beings. These is people writing in literature subjective. There's, you know, there, there's a publishing part of it that's very subjective. So even if you're taking a class and you're getting the kind of feedback that is confusing or not helpful, um, those things are going to happen. Um, they still happen to me after all these years. I sometimes share work and I get stuff back and I'm like, hey, I don't, you know, I don't know what to make of that. Again, going back to this idea, spend some time thinking about what you're trying to say, what, how you're trying to work, the, the time you've put into your work, where do you think your work stands? Um, how ready do you think it is or how not ready do you think it is? And accept that this is something everybody goes through and that, you know, we all have to do that. And the more time you spend with it, the more time you push through, right? It's yeah. how you gain that experience, how you gain that confidence. Um, and then you start to find your people. You start to, because that's all really you need. You just have to find, you know, your your writing group or your editor or your agent or whatever that it's going to really get you know your work who's really going yeah. to understand what you're going for what he needs how it can improve uh and when it's ready to to, to sort of go out um yeah those people I, that'll stand with you i mean i've gotten i had one early responder to my work say don't you want more than just women to read your books and i was like I don't know how to take that. Is it a bad thing for women to read my books? It was a very, very strange comment. I had no idea what to do with it. It was a guy, obviously. Yeah. And then I also been told that once I stop writing about Iowa and the Midwest, that then I will do well. But I need to stop writing about Iowa and the Midwest. So that's fun too. <laughs> oh, um, that sucks. Yeah, I, yeah. That, but it's funny because my retort to those things is always like, well, you know, uh, yeah, on the one hand, it's an assumption that only women are reading your work, but also if that's the case, is that, is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? Like you're saying, like, no. Um, um, and I think that, yeah, it's, a, it's also a judgment of the work, right? The way that they're looking at things and, and, and that's why we can't, we can't, I mean, again, one person, right? Yeah. Like you can't let that speak for a lot of other people, because of course they're going to, there could be a million other people disagree with that. And, and, and also this idea that writing about Iowa, writing about, you know, my kids writing about Cuba or Havana or whatever, the, what's funny is that when you look at like popular literature, any kind of accepted praise literature of any kind in the genre that you're running in, whatever it is you're doing, a lot of in a lot of the cases, these are writers writing about specific places that you wouldn't even assume, you know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, Elena Ferrante is writing about, you know, <laughs> Naples or whatever. And like these things are blowing up. And and to me, it's just kind of silly to, to sort of let that get to you for too long. You know, it can hurt. It can confuse you again. But I think you just have to go back to the other side of you say no like you could write i mean we're gonna have novels about new york for the rest of time um oh my God. you know yes. and they're, they could just be reimagined you know and some of them are gonna be great and that's um that's kind of how literature work of course just accept that everything's been written you know all those kinds of things just do your work and 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 trust the reason why you decided to write and why you decided to write about this place and these people. To me, I think one another thing that gets in the way, I think it's writers not really interrogating the why, right? I, you know, sometimes when I ask, you know, with students, I ask them, okay, you're stuck or you're confused, you don't know what to write about, but have you asked the why question? Have you asked, why do I want to write, well, number one, and why about this place or these people or this thing, whatever it is you're writing? Um, that to me I mean even like you know the cliches like I'm in the shower and I'm thinking about these things like I'm thinking about if I've chose to write this story or this novel or this essay why what why it is important to me to get it down on paper to say something to try to figure this out and and I don't need to have all the clean answers 
but I need to, to get close to an answer, you know, that I'm and not a feeling of excitement, a feeling that, exactly. you know, a feeling that I have something to say and you're not just putting a product out there to sell. I mean, maybe you are, but, but hopefully maybe it would be entertainment um, or we'll have uh, other meaning. I remember when I was, I was 23 in grad school, I went to grad school way too young. I had no idea what I was doing. But I was lucky enough to have John Edgar Weidman as my um, professor, and he would ask me these things all the time. Michelle, why are you doing this? What are you trying to say? And of course, I was 23, and it completely freaked me out because um, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I had to say. Uh, but it's such a necessary question to go back to. Um, also, to find, again, your fire and to find your, your reason, because you're spending a lot of hours ignoring other people doing this. <laughs> So you better have some good reasons for, for putting it out there. Um, I also have um, in the chat, something we haven't talk, talked about is uh, Catherine from London says she compares herself a lot to other writers. How do you deal with that? So this is interesting because one of Daryl's best friends is Jonathan Escoffery, who's just made a huge hit. Oh, that guy. Short, yeah. That guy with his short story collection. Um, and you, you, we both have a lot of writer friends that do quite well. And, and thankfully they're wonderful people. So it's easier to, to cheer them on, but how do you deal with that comparing yourself to other writers? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And also, again, something that we should be honest about, right? Um, I think it's to feel any sense of, um, discouragement or jealousy or whatever it is. Again, the human emotions, right? We, we, we should embrace. And I think as writers, right? That this is the irony for me. Like as writers, we want to explore these things, right? We are trying to explore the side of our characters that isn't always great. Um, and yet when it comes to ourselves, we, we struggle with that in some ways. And I think that I try to sort of apply some of the same principles. It's like, well, let me kind of embrace my discomfort with this or my jealousy or my whatever. Um, because again, it's human nature. It's completely normal to feel like, oh, other people are doing things and I'm not, or other people are achieving things and I'm not. Um, so number one, if you're feeling that totally normal, <laughs> um, yeah. all of us feel it, all of us go through that. I think the difference is, how much again gets in your way um and i think that um for me in the case of people i know i genuinely um feel happy for the for their success and i think i mean jonathan's case he's like family to me so when i get a text from him saying oh wow like look at this shit (laughs) i'm like what i'm like my day is as happy as his like honestly i really do feel that joy so I'm, i'm sort of lucky to be alone for the ride in some cases with the people that i love because I know that they're not getting in anyone's way. They're not getting in my way. Their success yeah. has nothing to do with my, my career, my running path. Um, and in fact, you know, I'm now adjacent to that success, which is pretty cool. Like you also want to be in a community of successful people that I would argue and people who you respect and admire and uh, are going to push you. And so what I also try to do is use that as sort of fuel for, oh, this guy or this woman or this friend or whatever, whoever, like I, I'm, I gotta, I gotta catch up or I gotta do my part, you know? Um, but even with writers, you don't know, I think if you're comparing yourself, if I were to compare myself to, to writers that I admire or other Cuban writers or whatever it is, um, there's always going to be, you know, some sort of sense that am I failing? Am I not doing enough? Um, so I think the way that I approach it is I'm just trying to enter a conversation with them, you know, through my books and my writing. And so that's all I'm trying to do. I I don't control the level of my success. You know, I don't control the level of where my work is going to end up. Um, But what I can control is what I'm saying in their work. And so all I'm trying to do is read their work and sort of try to get inspired by 
Uh, and sometimes I also feel like I think I can do better. I'm not going to lie, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's also a way for you to, again, stay motivated. It's like, well, I, I like that book, but I think I can actually do much better. You know, maybe I can write a better Cuban book or a better type of, you know, X, Y, or Z novel. Um, so I, I also think just using it as inspiration and as fuel for continuing to work and not to think too much about those things. Um, because again, no writer takes someone else's spot. I mean, in some ways it can feel that way. Um, but the truth is that the publishing world and, and the reading world is so vast um, yeah. that at the end of the day, control what you can control, which is your work, your process, put it out, move on to the next project. Um, and you will eventually sort of find your, your audience in your way. And don't, you know, the comparing part, you know, again, it is, is a tricky thing. You know, my novels are in the presses, you know, I'm not gonna have the huge or whatever sales or the big, huge awards with my first book, but it's also my first novel, you know? Right. So in some ways I'm also thinking I'm just building on that. And also I've had a wonderful experience with this book and my publisher. And so why not enjoy that? Why not enjoy the success that I did have? Because other writers are still also not in that uh, place and they're trying to be. And it's also kind of shitty of me to, to sort of poo-poo something just because it wasn't, you know, as big as I wanted or because of other writers are getting bigger stuff. So I do think enjoying your own process and knowing that, you know, once, once you have something out, it's there, you know, it's there, it lives on. And, and I think that just sort of enjoy that. Why not enjoy your success, your process, your, um, you know, it's hard enough, you know, so yeah, give you, enough. give yourself space for joy, do toast to any little victories, um, um, and have, and have maybe people around you that are also going to celebrate your, you know, that's the other thing, you know, like don't have toxic relationships, try to avoid people who make, you know, who, you know, if they put you down. So, you know, someone like Jonathan, when I get something where I have something to share, he honestly and genuinely uh, celebrates it. And, and, and I think that to me also helps feel like part of something, you know? Um, so it must anyway. be nice to see his work get out there because I think sometimes we think the publishing world is so closed down and only publishes certain work. And so when we see something really good and exciting actually make it, um then that just opens the door for other possibilities for us as well that's the other thing right because I, we, you know other cuban writers publishing or like that helps me you know in a way like that opens more that opens more readership yeah. more more editors and agents sort of open-minded maybe to these things or seeing the success of that book and saying maybe maybe other kinds of books and whatever that is to you as a writer whatever the comps are whatever the, you know the path you're you're searching just because somebody published something similar or whatever, that doesn't mean that in your way, in some ways they could actually be opening the door for you. Um, so, you know, they tell you if you're gonna look for agents or editors, like look up the writers you like and see who's represents them and see who's published them. Uh, and oftentimes that can work, you know, and I've seen it work, that's yeah. worked for myself too, because it's all about taste and sensibility and, you know, subjective. So um, maybe sometimes use it in that way, you know, sort of go into it. It's like, I'm actually gonna use this as research. Like, how did they do it? and what from that can I use? And yes, there is also the joy of actually seeing the work. I mean, in Jonathan's case, like I've seen, the, I knew these stories for years and years. So I, I'm like stoked that they're out there now and people are loving them because I've been loving them for decades. So yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, yeah, I, I think that try to think of yourself as part of a larger community where sometimes somebody else gets the thing and sometimes eventually, hopefully you get something, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so we're mostly focusing this focusing these first 50 days on first drafts. And, and that way it's usually helpful not to think about the market or not think about any right. of this stuff. Yeah. However, I think 
you can't ignore it entirely because it's going to feed into your psyche. It's going to feed into your self-doubt. Um, so Cameron, who was actually one of our novel incubator students, and he was working on a um, Christian historical um, novel. And he has a question with, when dealing with a niche genre, how do you find your audience or similar writing communities and mentors? And so he was in our group, but his work was very different from what other people were doing, which is what I love to have in my class. But how does he find his how does he find his audience? Of course, I think with Christian audience, he's going to make a killing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, for me, you know, so similarly, like I often felt like in class or in a group, I, I, my work was very different in terms of like its sensibility. It's um, so it, so I, I don't mean to big it about me, but I'm trying to use my 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 experience uh, as a point of reference, which is. You know, I read a lot of international literature. I did a lot, a lot of work in translation, more so sometimes than, than work written in the U.S. And and again, what I find is that I'm like, okay, what is my audience like? Who's going to read my work? Um, um, I met a few people who read what I read, but I don't always come across that in larger groups. Um, I think you kind of have to do what you can to try to find you know, similar books or similar writing if there is anything. You know, it doesn't have to be exactly the same but anything that speaks to you. I would also argue <clears throat> that sometimes even writers who are outside of our genre or of our niche thing that we're writing um, could also be people that we look up to or are part of our community. And what I mean by that, it's not all the literature, and I would argue the majority of the literature that inspires me has nothing to do with Cuba. You know, um, <clears throat> it, it's just very much about other places, other countries, other, other things. But the way that is written or what how or the place that it is writing about in some ways is kind of what I want to do for my own thing. So maybe as a writer, you're also looking for other um, writers or other people out there who are interested in things that may not be exactly the same, but in some ways you like to consume, you like to be inspired by. <clears throat> and I say that because that does expand the audience a bit for you, or at least the people that you can relate and talk to about your work. Um, and again, they don't have to be exactly sort of within that space to be able to connect and to be able to get it. And your audience, you know, might surprise you a bit in, in terms of who they are uh, and why yes. they're into your work. You know, not everybody who reads my work, it's curious about Cuba, but there's something about it that they, to sort of draws them in. And it may be the topic, it may be um, some element of the work, maybe even sometimes the style. Uh, I've had other immigrant writers come to me and say, you know, it inspires me because of the language thing and that I'm struggling with. Um, so I think just trying to have a little bit sort of a more expansive way of thinking about your readers and your audience and who can get your work outside of the exact thing you're doing or someone who's had a very similar experience or is interested in the very similar genre. It's just another way to do it. Um, and yeah, then after I, that, I once yeah. had a, um, I had a, a re one of my favorite reviews was I never read this kind of book, but I loved it. And I was like, yes, that's perfect. <laughs> Like I, I mean, I, I made someone cross the line, you know, into what I, yeah. the sort of thing I was working on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, again, this all goes back to it. It can be isolated if you're feeling like you're not finding some of these folks or at least in your immediate circles of people. You can feel like the only writer who writes about this or the only, you know, even though you have your friends in your, your community. Yeah. Um, and I would argue sometimes that's OK. Like it's also OK yeah. to be part of something where you're a little bit different. Um, I'm sure there are going to be other writers who feel that same way in their own way. Um, so to me, maybe lean into that, 
uniqueness in a way, leaning a little bit into like, I got something different, I got something new or whatever, however you want to sort of think about it. And at the end of the day, with the first draft, like I'm drafting my second novel. So like, I know that I have a little bit more experience, but like, I'm also like drafting like in a mess right now with my book. Um, and what I'm using anything and everything I can to keep me going, right? Like that's the whole thing. Like there are a million things getting in my way. You know, there are things in like happening in Cuba right now, like that yeah. like, you think about and there are things in my family and there are things in my work life, like everything. It's always kind of conspiring to, <laughs> to get in a way. And I can say, Michelle, if you're going to sacrifice that other free time you have mm-hmm. um, to do this thing, you know, which nobody's asking us to do for the most part. Um, I think you also have to sort of find the juice, find it, find the fuel, like whatever it is. And it's something in some days it might be more inspirational and more like, you know, romanticized of like, I'm doing this because it matters. And in other days it's like, I just have to freaking get this page done. Um, you know, whatever it is you have to do. Um, but again, that's why the, the, the process, the why, like having these conversations with yourself as you go can actually be clarifying eventually. And, and I think, that, yeah, it just makes it more worthwhile. Like, yeah. I think I kind of get why I'm doing this is, you know, it's what I'm, what I'm trying to get at every day. Yeah, and I, I read a lot too, even in between my little writing stints during the day, because it's a good it's a it's a good way for me to get into that mental space and a good reminder of this is why I love or this is what I'm trying to do. This is why I love this. This is the effect I'm going for. And just to remember that fiction or or nonfiction or whatever prose you're working on can have that effect. Um, and and to get you back in that mental space. Um, Elizabeth is asking in our questions um, to you, Daryl, wondering what specific things you do to continually improve your writing. Um, have you seen your craft use of language on the page improve even now that you've had publishing success? Um, I have. I have. And, and that's sort of the goal. Like my goal, yeah. <clears throat> I always approach writing and, and this took me a long time to sort of like I don't know if it's lied to myself, but like convince myself that this is true, which is I take the pressure off by thinking this, this thing I'm writing is hopefully not the very last thing I'm ever going to write. You know, that's, I tell myself that, I don't know that, but um, as a way to sort of say, I'm trying something, it may not work, you know? Um, And if it doesn't, I'll I'll find something else. Um, But it's sort of a way to sort of keep myself going, you know, at least just to think, all right, let me take some of that pressure off. I don't, you know. But at the same time, I am consistently reading and consuming things with the purpose of learning more and getting better. So I take notes, like if I watch a TV show or if I'm reading a book, whatever, there are things that I really like, I like highlight them or I write them now if I'm watching them. And, you know, if it's an idea, if it's like some device or something that I think could work, you know, and I'm taking these things as a way to try to continue to improve. Um, I'm also looking at my work, previous work, and sort of if I read something from three, four years ago, and I notice some things, this could have been a little bit better. I could have, you know, try to improve on that as well. Not think of my work as not something that I think is bad or I'm embarrassed by, but more like that, that's where I was at that time. Um, but here's where I want to go. And, and just think about what it is you're trying to go for next. What is the next challenge? How do you want the next book to be more to be different or more ambitious. In my case, I'm trying to write a novel that's shorter, which is kind of an interesting <laughs> thing. Like I'm actually, you know, trying to write something that's a little more condensed, a little more efficient in the way that it's smaller chapters. I'm trying to do something. My my first book was longer, longer chapters. Um, 
and, and that allowed me the, the space to breathe that that book needed. I think now I'm trying to go for a bit of the opposite thing. So I'm reading a lot of short novels. I'm reading a lot of writers who are like very efficient, who like in 220 pages can make you feel like, wow, this is a big story. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I it's, it's the way that you sort of try to continue to improve. Um, it's just consuming things also with intention, you know, Oh, yeah. I am looking for things. I am looking to learn. Like, what is this teaching me? And if it's not, if I'm enjoying it, I'll finish it. If it's not, if I'm not enjoying it, it's not teaching me, I move on to the next thing. Um, and, and it's I a think way that we I look know. back. Yeah, I think we look back at some of our old work and um, we're like, oh my God, this is crap. And it can get us down. Like this went out into the public and this is terrible. Um, but I try to think of that as that, Michelle, that means that you've actually learned something. That means yeah. you're growing because you're if, you're, if you're not growing, then you might as well be dead. I mean, you you need to always be hopefully trying to move forward. And I'm also, I'm just a perfectionist like that. And it's very hard. There are some people in our chat that are talking about the problem of perfectionism. Um, have you dealt with that issue, Daryl? You know, not as much because I think, again, maybe it goes back to this language thing. I knew that with the language obstacle, like my sentences were never going to be perfect. You know, whatever people, like, I'm not going to be a stylist in a way, like, or, you know, I, I sort of knew something I was about myself early on. So I try to overcome that or maybe overcompensate by focusing more on what I was writing about, right? And and in character in place and some of the layers, the social cultural stuff, the political stuff. Like I've always, that's where I feel like I can I can hit my stride because I am interested in those things and I do a lot of research for my work. And so um so focusing on what you're good at. Yeah. Like lean on your strengths and and and, and accept your weaknesses in a way. Um, but perfectionism is such an interesting thing because it's like it doesn't, it's not a real thing. Like it's there's no like literature's not perfect. Like I've had people tell me, I love this writer. I think it's you know, I'm like, I think that book is trash. Um, yeah. you know, it's so subjective too. And it's it is so it's so weird. So don't impose the idea of perfectionism. Your work is never done, even after it's published. You're gonna go back to it and find things and you know, so just focus on like, is it done? That's very different. I think Jonathan yeah. said that recently uh, in some conversation he had or some class visit or whatever that I heard. It's like, um, and I think a professor of ours might have said this, like it's better done than good. You know, it's almost like this idea that I, because good is subjective. Like it's just, you have to feel good about it. I mean, let's say you want it to feel like it's good. Um, but, it, but if it's not done, you're just not going to, you know, it's never going to be good if it's not finished and not published, right? Like at least people yeah. are not going to see it. So Anyway, that's the thing. Just get it done, spend time on it, revise it, work with other people on it, but don't expect it to be perfect or for you to be 100% happy all the time with, with the work. Yeah, because I think um, John Banville once said every, uh, his definition, every novel is broken is what he said. And I think there's another writer who's, who basically defined the novel as a, a, a long piece of prose work that is always broken. <laughs> so you're, yeah. just, you're not going to get there. It's yeah, not and, possible. and I think I think there was somebody else who was it. I'm trying to remember who was it, another novelist, famous novelist, who said uh, every novel is a beautiful failure. Um, yes. you know, which is like you only if you get seventy percent of what was in your head down on the page, like you're like the luckiest writer alive. You know, um, I'm trying to remember who it was, but if you if you look it up, you probably find it. But uh, anyway, that that's that's a great way. I think to, again, that's the pressure off, right? Like, just remove the pressure. Now that doesn't have to be the greatest thing ever, anybody has ever written. <laughs> Um, exactly. I'm just trying to write these things. I, I really want to be with these characters or I really want to be with, with this thing and, and I'm going to finish it, you know? 
Well, thank you so much, everyone. Ning on the chat has repeated what Darrow just said, better done than good. So today, let's think about that as you get back to your writing desk and get working. Um, and join us again tomorrow. We're going to start all next week. We're going to do character development. And uh, tomorrow we have Alam Mushari and um, uh, Marjan Kamli, who's going to help us work with um, goals and um, characters that don't have agency and how to deal with those sorts of characters. So it's going to be a great week. I hope everyone tunes in. You can even listen to the podcast afterwards. Thank you so much, Dario. Thank you for all your, your good ideas. And um, I'm going to let him go and get back to his life. All right, here we go, everyone. Have a great writing day. Thank you all. Thank you, Michelle. Have Bye. You found what you lost? Have you lost what you found? Do you really understand how you sift for a love in the sand? Like a leaf inside the wind. And you go where it tells you to go. But you never.